step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Center here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and oh my goodness, the National oh. Predators on a six-game win streak. And what? let's see what's happened during that six-game win streak. Oh, Ellie Tolvanen has points in each of those All games. All the points. All the he points. Has a lot of points. Ellie Tolvin and making his case is like, hey, I may have gotten a late start, but you all darn well better be talking about me in the Calder race uh, right now. But Glenn, just looking at what happened in this road trip that they were on and then coming back home and the the confidence that the team seems to be playing with is just a total complete difference as we are now at the the actual end of March. Remember at the mm-hmm. beginning of March when they started it with three straight losses, all to very good teams, but three straight bad losses before the road trip. Everybody's going, uh-oh, we were going, uh-oh, everyone's going, uh-oh realistically so and understandably so to be going Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh for the gauntlet of march but they survived the gauntlet of march and not even survived but given the expectations they thrived in the month of march they did thrive and i mean i feel like i kind of sound like a broken record at times but it's because we'll sit here and talk every week about what we want to see and then when you finally start to see it you're like okay now we're seeing this what we've been saying we wanted to see but what really stands out to me is Moments like the game against Chicago when Debrinket scored like two goals in like half a second. I don't know. It was like one or two minutes. I don't even remember what it was, but it was something like two minutes. And back at the beginning of March, I feel like that would have turned this Predators mentality upside down during that game. And it would have been a, oh, geez, we're not, we're not be able to do it. But they maintained their composure. And it's moments like that when you're like, okay. This is not just a fluke of, of good wins. This is actually a team whose mentality has gone back to, we can actually win this game. We can actually dig ourselves out. We can actually, even if it comes at a loss, they can still show up as a strong team. And I mean, isn't that what we've been wanting to see all along? <laughs> so I think it's stuff like, when I see stuff like that, I think, okay, we're going into April with a confident Predators team. I mean, when you look at uh, one of my favorite things as well with when we're talking about Ellie Tolvin and all his points, his goals, his smile after he scores, I mean, he just looks thrilled. And you know, some some players will go out there and they might score and they'll just kind of, you know, bump fists with people and you don't really see it on their face. He just looks thrilled and everybody around him looks thrilled. So I think we're just finally starting to see that again. Um, that excitement in the team, the confidence in the team, and that, and that's all that you could really ask for. The, the Predators, one of the hottest teams in the NHL, obviously the six-game win streak, but also eight and two in their last ten games. I mean, that's putting things together. And granted, I mean, we can say that yeah, they they played against Detroit. They had a couple against Chicago. Chicago's just been kind of reeling right now, and 
they they've had three straight games against Dallas that have gone to overtime or shootout, which is just pretty nuts. And the road trip, they they got wins, quality wins against Tampa and Florida. So the only thing that really they need to do now is accomplishing at least one win against Carolina to see to say yes, we beat them, <laughs> finally got them beat, and and they beat every team then in the division. But what we're seeing too is the confidence of a team that is playing with a lot of youngsters out there, but that they've really been able to come together. Like an Ellie Tolbin, who's getting the ice time that he absolutely deserves right now. And I think I brought this up maybe last week, but when I asked head coach John Hines, does a, does a switch flip when they get an opportunity to play in the NHL compared to the minors? And he said, absolutely. You see, it's with some prospects that they might be lighting it up in the minors, but they get that opportunity in the majors and boom, they just turn it on. And Ellie Tolbin has flipped that switch to where he is absolutely – in the Calder mix right now, if he continues this trend, I mean, it's 18 points in 28 games, nine goals, nine assists. So it's balanced to scoring as well. It's not just him potting goals, which is what you expect out of him for it to lean heavy on goals. But no, he's had plenty of assists and beautiful assists. And then the overtime winner, I mean, a walk-off from the rookie, Ellie Tolvanen, uh, that right there is just completely impressive too because he's going to the right spaces. And also in terms of looking at other intangibles or other statistics as well, He's just racking up the hits. I mean, you have a rookie out there, a rookie top three forward racking up hits as well. Talk and playing about a, a physical game. game. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's reminding me some of Philip Forsberg right now after Philip Forsberg put on some muscle and he became more famous for the butt check. But Ellie Tolvanen is playing a physical game and is getting into the quote-unquote, pardon the cliche, the dirty areas and is mixing up a little bit, also playing more sound defense too. And the AHL has definitely helped him with that. His seasoning in Milwaukee with Carl Taylor certainly has helped him to this level to where he can be a responsible NHL player. And it's just, it's, it's great for me to see this because he's only about to turn 22 years old later in April. He's going to turn 22. So he's, he's still, he's still a kid. I mean, he started off, Very much so. yeah, he yeah. started off in the KHL playing pro hockey and he had three games for the Predators in the 17, 18 season after turning pro from the USHL, but he's been a pro since then. And people are still wanting more out of him and calling him a bust and saying that they should just trade him right now. And even before the season started, I'm going, he needs to get time or you need to do something with him while he still has an ability to have some value. You have to put him out there and just see what he's made of doing. And that's what I think most of us have been saying is we've got to see what what's happening with him. Well, you had plenty of folks out there saying he's a bust. You need to trade him. He hasn't developed into anything right now. Well, How's it taste? How's it taste? <laughs> How's that crow? How's the crow taste right now? Is it yeah. tender? I mean, who? <laughs> I wish y'all could see Justin's face when he said that. Is it tender? I mean, I don't even know where people would. I don't even know where you would start thinking that when you're talking about someone so Facebook. young. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, that actually answers everything. <laughs> But like, oh, how I'm can sorry. you, <laughs> I don't know, like, what do you expect from somebody who you, like we've said time and time again, you have to get experience to get good. And like John Hines said, I mean, there is something major that happens. I'm very sure when somebody gets called up, they get to go play in the NHL. There is a huge difference. And this kid is showing us exactly like what Justin just said. It's not just that he's scoring goals or it's not just that he's chipping in on the assist. He's doing a lot of work out there. <laughs> he is. And it I mean, incredible to watch. And 
picked 30th overall and he fell. There were reasons why he fell and people were wondering those because he originally was going to go play the college route, but he wasn't able to. So he played junior and then the KHL. So it's, it's curious too, where he was picked, the pressure that's been put on him by a lot of the fan base. Whereas it's not like he was a top five pick where you're expecting immediate contributions. Mm-hmm. Late round, first round picks take some time. Kevin Fiala took some time and he was, he was a mid round first round pick. And the pressure put on Ellie Tolvin in as the chosen one, I know it's a meme right now, but as the chosen one that he's supposed to be the savior of the Predators offense was a lot of pressure for him because of the transition that he had to make. And we've seen right now that he's very comfortable playing the NHL, that he absolutely belongs to the NHL. And he's a dark horse. He continues on this trend. He absolutely should finish top three in Calder voting. And who knows, maybe make a run for it, but he has to stay consistent at this production level, which is very difficult to do, but he has all the tools right now to do it. If he just gets more ice time as well and continues to get rewarded for the good things that he's doing, but it's just hilarious to me how people wanted him gone and were calling him garbage and trash. And he wasn't going to mount to anything. And he still has plenty of time to go. And there's going to be slumps that will happen. Every player hits slumps. But we're seeing right now what he's absolutely capable of. So if you're calling him garbage, one, this is why you don't evaluate talent and you're not being paid to evaluate talent. Two, just sit and watch the game. Just a little bit more, please. Thanks. Appreciate it for all your cold takes out there, folks. Uh, also, before we have to go to break, Yusuf Saros has been playing some phenomenal hockey lately. And what's been interesting and a curious case of Yusuf Saros is that we've seen this pretty much every year that he's had consistent time as either the backup or the starter is that he starts off cold and when then he turns it on, he flips that switch. And it's one of those things of what's it going to take for him to have good starts to a season? Because in the past 10 games... Let's take a look at the goals he's allowed. <clears throat> okay. Two, one, one, zero, one, one, two, one, one, two, one, and then six, five, four. Uh, it's it's curious there because he's been on fire here of late, even in a loss where he faced like plenty of shots uh, or in a win where he faced plenty of shots. But the loss to Florida, the 2-0 loss, he stopped 48 of 47 because one of them was an empty netter. I mean, his save percentage was 979. His offense just didn't help him out in that game, and they know it. It was nothing to blame on Yusuf Saros, but he's been playing lights out hockey here of late. And granted, the defense in front of him has helped him out tremendously too. But Saros is showing why he's the starter right now. And I think we're seeing enough to at least evaluate that, okay, they should be able to feel comfortable going into the next two years with him as the starter as they're waiting for Yaroslav Askarov to, to get over here. Need to see him a little bit more to see what's going on. But either way, he's a key reason why this team is on a six-game winning streak too. Yep, he absolutely is. You're absolutely right. Um, I don't know if there's anything I can add that you didn't cover, <laughs> but I mean, I think it's just, it's that consistency. It's giving him those years of cold starts turning hot and eventually you know you can only hope that eventually this continued experience is going to get him those hot starts but I mean if you if you got a few cold starts and you have a very very solid team in front of you hopefully you're not facing as many shots anyway so I mean they are supposed to be the very 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 last point of defense so mm-hmm. um, I guess it could all depend on that as well how well the team is playing in front of him in those cases but I mean, I like what I'm seeing. There's not a lot to complain about what we're seeing about UCSRS right now. You're absolutely correct. Okay. We have a great show for you tonight. Uh, I'm next. We're going to talk about prospects uh, with Marin Angus from elite prospects. And then after that, we're going to have Lyndon Palmer of the national flyers, U18 team joining us along with the U16 team that we talked with uh, uh, a player a few weeks ago, the 18U also heading to nationals compete for a national championship. So all that up next, you're impelling to box here to ESPN 1025, the game.
And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And now let's talk all things prospects. And who better to bring on someone to talk about prospects than someone that works at Elite Prospects? We have Marin Angus. She is the associate editor for EP Rinkside and Elite Prospects. Marin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I, I'm loving this. So the, your job entails quite a lot of hockey watching. I mean, I can only imagine when you're working for EP, what it entails and how much hockey you have to watch, especially as the season progresses, and especially as hockey play, college hockey playoffs went on and everything. Just what does that encompass for you in terms of the day-to-day life of someone that works for Elite Prospects? That is uh, waking up uh, in the morning and, and tweeting about all the stories that were turned in overnight because we're all working in different time zones. So that's been a lot of fun. And, uh, and then, yeah, throughout the day, I tell you what, the NCAA tournament starting kind of like it upped the hockey watching because I'm already watching or trying to keep an eye on every single NHL game every day of the week. But then now we're throwing the NCAA tournament on top of it. So, you know, thank goodness they're not playing during the week this week. And I, I, I mean that the frozen four is until next weekend. So I'm, I'm good right now. Uh, (laughs) Now we'll, now we'll just, we'll get laser focused and zone in on Nashville. We want to talk about David Ference. Obviously he's now signed a two year entry-level contract with the Preds. And while many of people have heard his name in Nashville for a while, a lot of the fan base for a lot of them, it doesn't really feel real with the prospects until that contract is signed. And now that he's been assigned to the taxi squad, the likelihood of him seeing some ice time is soon favorable. So when you look at David Ference's game and you look at where the Predators currently are in their game, what do you see him bringing to this current Preds team and to the Preds team of the future? Yeah, I mean, the Predators are in such a unique position right now because if we were talking about him coming to a Predators team just last month, we'd probably be like, oh, they need some major help. But suddenly they've flipped this magic switch and they're on a winning streak. They're looking more and more like maybe a four seed in, in, the, in the division for the playoffs. But the Predators still lack the defensive depth on the bottom end. So I can definitely see him trying to come in and be on, maybe he steps up and is in his third pair D or maybe they try, they try to work him in second pair, but you know, they, he's going to help. That's without question because that, and the predators pride themselves on drafting defensemen. Like this has been their thing and it it's not a secret. So the fact that they've got him now under contract, it, it's exciting. Yeah, we're all super, super excited to see what he's going to bring. Um, and now I want to go a little bit more global. Okay. Okay. So it was just obviously recently announced um, that Elite Prospects, y'all have partnered with USA Hockey as a corporate sponsor for the 2021 IIHF World Championship. Um USA Hockey has expressed their excitement because they know the depth, the in-depth coverage that they're going to get from you guys, right? So what does a partnership like this on this large scale do for elite prospects as far as broadening your reach and overall developing your brand and also just expanding the game to more people? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so excited about this. So over at EP, 
we have been working really hard over the past year at expanding the brand. So EP Ringside has been around for a little while, but now we've, we've brought on a ton of writers. We've brought in Dmitry Filipovich. We brought in Ryan Lambert. We have Jack Frazier. We have made some writers full-time like Cam Robinson, who was over at Dauber and now he's exclusively with Ringside. And now we're going, we're going global literally because we're launching EP Ringside in other countries. So we're launching it in Germany and Finland. And so though, and we will have writers uh, in those countries that write for them, but then they'll take some of the stories that we produce in North America, translate them and throw them up on the websites over there. So we are literally, we're literally taking the brand global and being a sponsor of this tournament is only going to help our reach over there because we've also, the, the company itself is based in Finland. So that's where it all started. Um, so now you're thinking, okay, we're, we're going to be center stage for the U18s and now we're launching two more websites. So it's exciting times right now over at EP. And with this tournament coming up, we're going to have exclusive content. And it's just, I, I'm excited. I feel like I keep saying I'm excited, but it's because I'm really honestly excited. There's a lot to be excited about. <laughs> there is a lot to be excited about. And that what that means too, folks, is it means a lot more coverage uh, and people watching these prospects out there that you might be interested in, whether you're a Predators fan or not, but just means there's a lot more unique stories out there and angles and people actually watching these games and writing about these prospects and everything too. So let's dive in more to college hockey and the Frozen Four. And obviously there's been plenty of storylines with this, whether it's teams like Notre Dame and Michigan not even being able to play. We have some top prospects there or other kids that were able to play. And now we have a Frozen Four decided or a team that got knocked out in a pretty uh, lopsided score uh, like BU <laughs> out there. So Marin, looking at this too, just what are some of the storylines that, that you've been paying attention to surrounding the, the NCAA Frozen Four uh, in regards to Michigan, Notre Dame, and just other things that have really stood out to you before we really dive into necessarily players? Yeah, so the storyline heading into the tournament, unfortunately, was COVID because there were the, – the field of 16 wasn't even the true field of 16 because um, – Notre Dame wasn't supposed to be there. They were filling team. So then you have Notre Dame filling in and then they get COVID. So then they don't, they don't get to play. And then there's a no contest. So then when that happened, we were all on zoom meeting. We were having zoom availability with the coaches and it just immediately that you could see you could see the tension almost in the coaches and how nervous they are and the, the anxiety of COVID and what could happen because uh, they're coming off. They didn't even have a tournament last year. So they're just hoping they can play. And I think it was Michigan that had their availability right when it happened. And um, I had the opportunity to ask Mel Pearson what it meant with COVID and what the anxiety was like with the testing. And he said it was high anxiety all the time with everyone. And he went on to explain the process, how they have been testing every day. But then he also talked about the Big Ten tournament and how Michigan had a false positive during the Big Ten tournament. 
they were able to make it right. They were able to play, but then it makes you, it made him think like, you know, it, what happens if we have another false positive, there's no second chance here. Once there's a positive test, the NCAA, that's it. Like we're, they're calling it. And in, in just hours before their game, they had a positive test and Michigan if you look at that roster top to bottom, you saw a team that was destined for the frozen four <laughs> and they didn't get that opportunity. That's two years in a row. They didn't get that opportunity. So you have that. So now that's a no contest and it's it, the other 14 teams. It's, it was a lot of parody with the 14 teams. Um, but you feel for all of the kids that didn't get their opportunity to play. And it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. And so, so looking at some of these kids as well, I mean, especially some of the Michigan ones, uh, for instance, like Owen power, uh, like mm-hmm. uh, Maddie uh, beignets. Yep. What do, do you think there's people, people have obviously seen enough of them to make a, a prediction of what they want, because what we're looking at this draft too it's not like other draft years where it's like, you know, who's going number one, you know, who the top three necessarily are. The draft boards for this draft are all over the place and really depends on the need for an organization and what they truly evaluate a player to be. Does that match up with what everyone's seeing there at EP as well, that there's still, there's a, there's talent. There's not the necessarily generational talent, but there's still going to be elite talent. But do you think yeah. with some of these kids that weren't able to be seen in the frozen four to have that extra attention, is it going to affect their draft position as much? Or do you think people have seen enough to really be able to tell? Um, the consensus at EP has been like that the scouts have seen what they need to see for the most part. This draft, like you said, is unlike any other draft where you don't know who's going number one. You don't know who's going number two. You don't know who's going number three, but you have an idea of the three players who go one through three. You just don't know in what order. And, and then after that, it's a crapshoot. Like you, <laughs> you, you, you really don't know who's going where you just know that teams are going to look at some of these guys and say, Hey, you know, we, this is the need, like you said, this is the need that we have. This is how we're going to fill it. But it's been really hard at EP for us to come up with a solid, a a solid draft prediction because we just don't know. And the conversations between some of our, our analysis, our analysts, they're like, I have no clue. Like, we're just going to, we're going to plug this guy in here because, you know, this is what sounds good, but we just, we literally, we don't know. And it's, it's really funny too, just because typically you get into more arguments when it gets later in the rounds and a lot of there's tend to be a lot of agreement on top five in most drafts of like, okay, they're going to fluctuate here, but we see rankings that one service will have met number one, another one could have met number seven or eight. And just as a fluctuation there too, are this is kind of deep diving in before we have to let you go. Are there some good arguments that happen between the different people than the scouts in terms of where they truly believe some guy should go? Do the things like oh that happen? Oh my gosh. <laughs> people will die on a hill for a certain player. And, and it's, it's funny because you know, we have scouts all over the place. So we have a North American scout. We have a European scout. We have a, we have different scouts for the different provinces. Like it, and the, and they are in charge of, 
those prospects. They watch them religiously. And if one scout hasn't really watched somebody, then they'll say, eh, I think they're just going to fall here. And then you have the scout that watches them. They're like, absolutely not. This is where they're going to be drafted. And you have to trust me on this. But yeah, they will absolutely die on a hill uh, to make sure that their guy ends up in the right spot. <laughs> That's funny because I can only imagine what happens in war rooms too for teams in terms of how they're battling for positioning with some players and draft boards. Well, well, Marin, we appreciate you joining us and giving us some insight on prospects and about all the new content that's going to be coming as well. I mean, I'm a pro member for, for elite prospects because I just love the game logs and everything too. And just the stuff, especially preparing for the draft and just so much unique information there. Uh, so where else, where do people need to go to find more information, to find some of this unique content they're only going to find in elite prospects? Yeah, EPRingside.com will be all of your exclusive content. And uh, we are running a special right now uh, where you can get three free months with a annual subscription using the code three, numeral three, free, <laughs> F-R-E-E. Uh, everybody loves free stuff. Easy, easy enough. And it's easy. easy to remember. It is. Three well, free. Well, Marin, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Marin Angus for joining us uh, in that segment, talking about the prospects and especially just the content coming to Elite Prospects where you can get a lot of that information, especially at EP Ringside. You can follow her on Twitter at Marin underscore Angus. I know she's putting out a lot of those stories and a lot of her colleagues are putting out great, great content. So up next, let's talk with Lyndon Palmer with the Nashville Flyers U18 team going to compete for a national championship on Penalty Box Radio ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Theater here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And joining us now, let's talk more junior hockey. We have Lyndon Palmer, a friend of the show, Lyndon Palmer, uh, joining us now with the National Flyers 18U program, heading to nationals very, very soon. Lyndon, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. Absolutely. So it's, it's kind of weird because I think it was – uh, a year, oh, just a little over a year ago, right before the pandemic started, that we actually had you in studio. <laughs> and, yes, sir. And we're just like, oh, oh, yeah, that's, mm. uh, and so I guess going just into that right there, too, because we were talking about nationals then, and then unfortunately, everything just got shut down and canceled right there. This whole season for you playing junior hockey and being able to have this opportunity, how much of a redemption feel is it for you where you guys have been playing with a chip on your shoulder because of all this? Uh, a lot of these kids weren't on the team last year. So, uh, we have about three or four returning players and we'll all be playing with chips on our shoulders. But, uh, for a lot of these guys, it's their first time going to nationals. So I know they're all excited. I'm excited. And, uh, I think it'll just be a great experience. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. So obviously this is a massive opportunity for everybody that's getting to travel and be a part of this. So for you personally, what are you looking most forward to when it comes not just for yourself, but experiencing this with your teammates and your friends? Uh, going to Green Bay, I've, I've never been to Wisconsin. I've been to Minnesota and Michigan, but uh, never been to Green Bay. So we'll probably tour Lambeau Field and because uh, we, we toured AT&T Stadium last year in Dallas or two years ago. And so uh, I think just – being there for three days, we'll get to do a lot that we haven't done before. And as far as the focus um, from coaching, what has the focus been like in preparing for such a game like this? Is there anything different mentally going into this game as opposed to any other game, or is it kind of the same? 
Uh, a little bit. Our, our coach has become a little more strict. Uh, we've changed our practice style up a little bit more, working on more skill-based, uh, getting conditioned, because – Wise, Herb Brooks once said, we won't be the best team, but we'll be the most conditioned. So uh, we, we're really focusing on that. So I got I got to ask then, are you guys doing any Herbies out there? <laughs> no, not not that bad, no sure. But we do, we do start practice with a little bit of conditioning and then go but, into skill-based But you do understand it's about the name on the front, not the name on the back, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> So, so with this as well, in terms of this season, because obviously, and I, and I know we've talked about this with you before, but just to just reinstill for those that are listening, it's been a different and unique season because when it comes to some different restrictions and every rink has different restrictions and everyone's had to follow different restrictions as well, but everyone's adapted. I mean, you all have obviously proven that you've adapted just because you're making it this far. You qualified for nationals. What has been the team message overall when you've had to adapt to different things and, and evolve and adapt in the way you play the game or how you do pregame or postgame or even hanging out socially to make sure you still have that team atmosphere and that feeling like a team? So what has been the adaptation period like for this whole season for you? Uh, we pretty much just have that get over it attitude. Like we know <laughs> we know how it's going to be going into the rinks. And um, we just went to Miami and they only allowed – one play or one one spectator per player, and uh, we were fortunate enough to get to dress inside. But going to Green Bay, I have no clue how uh, their rinks are going to be, and I'm a little worried they're going to make us wear a mask on the ice because I've seen like I think Wisconsin uh, University has to do that. So. I'm just praying that we don't. <laughs> but uh, but like you said, it's one of those things, whatever it takes to play and win, right? Yes, sir. Exactly. <laughs> so in the terms of the season, too, because there's some breaks, I mean, since the, the regular season ended for you, are there other games you guys are playing right now to stay conditioned, or is it really just intense practices that you guys are waiting to travel? Uh, we've, we've done some scrimmages against the 16U team uh, just to kind of keep us both in game shape. And then we're going to St. Louis and – two weekends, I think, to scrimmage the Chesterfield Falcons. And uh, so that'll be a really good test before heading into nationals. And and what's that feeling like in the organization to have the 18s and the 16s both qualify for nationals and knowing that you guys are being a huge representative part of, of Nashville? Oh, it's great. Uh, I mean, really going back to back to back, I guess, for me, <laughs> uh, it feels great. And being the only two teams left in Nashville, we – we get all the ice we want. So any practice, we get it. <laughs> no, no humble brag there. That's a full on. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I'm just so, saying. So in, in scene two as well, being a representative of Nashville and you being a player from the South as well and, and traveling to other areas of the country where obviously people expect there to be really good hockey teams in your Michigans, in your Minnesotas, in your New Yorks and things like that. What's the feeling for you as a true Southern hockey product that you've been able to play for this team you're going to represent nationals that you can go and compete with the best of the country and prove that hockey really is starting to thrive and thriving in the South? Yeah, all of us love proving those northerners wrong uh we'll go we'll go and play up north and we'll hear teams say oh they're from nashville they're they're not good and then we'll go out and show them up so it feels good is, is there any extra chirping that takes place when you have something like that going on 
Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I'm sure plenty of it's not radio appropriate, so I won't even no, ask. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so what's what's been the, the team attitude as well on the bench? I mean, we see teams come together, and obviously this is special when you're able to make a run for nationals, whether it's if you guys are down by one or you get scored upon late and you have to make a comeback, is this the kind of thing when you're this deep into a season where the team itself knows what, what it takes to go out and win or do the coaches have to get involved? What's that process been like for you guys? Is it one of the things where you're able to just encourage each other and you know what it takes or do the coaches still get involved? And, and what's that trust process been like from the coaching staff? Yeah. Uh, starting the season off, we had, we had bench issues where we would get down on each other. And, uh, but I think we've all built, built from that very well um coach has put a lot of pressure on the captains to keep the boys focused going into nationals and um so yeah we're we're doing a lot better at hyping each other up and getting excited for each other after a good shift and and one thing too we're seeing this now and stressing and more just kind of changing gears too before we get to more get to know you questions because i know we've done some of those with you already uh so you are a multi-sport athlete is that correct Yes, sir. All right. And the other sport you play, I believe, is tennis. How, how does that help you with hand-eye coordination, with your skill set, with both things crossing over? Because we, we see still there's some coaches out there that want people to specialize, but we see so much that those that are going to be the most successful are multi-sport athletes. So how does playing tennis help you with hockey, and how does playing hockey help you with tennis? I would say the only thing that tennis helps me with hockey is conditioning. But uh, a lot of my hand-eye comes from hockey – and I used to play golf, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, but, yeah, it really just conditioning helps me with hockey. Like you said, conditioning is important. <laughs> you yes, most sir. conditioned it team is. out there. All right, I love Glenn. how you just so casually throw in, oh, I also play golf, too. Yeah, like, well, do not do. <laughs> what hockey player I doesn't? <laughs> I, I quit it. last year because oh, okay. it, it just took a toll on my body, so – uh, yeah. You'll get you'll get back to it though. I mean, you're a hockey player. Hockey players play golf. That's just what you do. Yes, sir. <laughs> I still I still play for fun. Exactly, exactly. Glenn. All right, so we're gonna go with some rapid fire questions. Who is the one person that makes you laugh the most? Ooh, uh, probably my grandpa. He's I a funny it. man. <laughs> all right. All right. What is one thing that you have in your refrigerator at all times? I think Gatorade. Okay. <laughs> we have a lot of Gatorade and water. Oh, I like the lemon lime, the yellow. Oh, okay. okay. That's, that's, that's an OG. That's, that is yes, an OG. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> or what was the last meal that you ate? I just had some onion rings. I don't know if that counts as a meal, but it does. It does. <laughs> I just had some onion rings from a little uh, diner we have called Snow White in Lebanon. Oh, but... okay. Now that's good stuff right there. Yes, I sir. I'm that's, missing out. Those aren't just good. your average, you know, onion rings. Those are like taking it up another step, another level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Something that you have not done yet, but you want to do one day. Oh, I'm going deep here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I, you can come back to it if you want. I mean, I think skydiving would be cool. I, I'd probably chicken out on the airplane, though. I know there's no going back down, but <laughs> I, I think it would be a fun experience, just a little sketch. There we yeah. go. There we go. Okay, so I don't know if you like to sing, but if you could duet with any artist, who would it be? Um, 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. My I would say my favorite artist right now is either Morgan Wallen or Luke Combs. So I, I guess one of them. Okay. All right. So we're going to see a, t- a so, TikTok duet with one of them soon with you? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, I'll, of, I'll get them right on that. that. Yeah. Speaking of that, what, what would be your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I, what was, I used to sing one. Um, oh, if, if my dad was here, I could tell you, but I used to sing one. It's on YouTube. He, he videoed it without me knowing and oh, posted no. it. Oh my and gosh, he I thinks it's the funniest it. thing ever. <laughs> friends in low I places i think it's by, i think it's by kelly clarkson i could be wrong oh. but. <laughs> since you've been gone there we go never <laughs> I, I was like 10 years old oh, oh I love it. sure we know it was last week <laughs> <laughs> well well lyndon uh congratulations uh for the 18 U's, the flyers making it to nationals we're also very proud and excited of you guys and just can't wait to see how you guys represent nashville it's just absolutely thrilling and exciting to see that these teams are thriving and going to compete for a national championship so best of luck go kick some butt and represent nashville the best way you can man yes sir thank you Lyndon Palmer, Nashville Flyers 18U team going to Nationals. And you can tell he's a friend of the show. We're getting to have a little more fun with him now, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling y'all what. Like, I know y'all don't get to see his face when he talks, but I'm going into everything with Lyndon Palmer energy. I mean, you could actually, you could hear it. You don't even have to see his yeah. face, but he's just got that energy, man. And I'm like, I'm going into everything I do in life with Lyndon Palmer energy. <laughs> it's come, it's that flow. It's the flow. He has, he has he a nice a head flow. of lettuce. I, you he know, does. I know you can't see it folks, but he has some major lettuce, some hockey hair going on. He's got, he's ready for nationals. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yep. <laughs> all right, folks up next, we have plenty of questions that you submitted to us, whether it's the lineup about Ellie Tolvanen, uh, what we would do in certain situations. If it came to taking a shot on Pecorine, plenty of things to discuss. Oh, and our favorite, player right now that is impressing us that's not ellie tolvin and so really good question right there all that up next from penalty box here to espn 1025 the game and welcome back to penalty box here again espn 1025 the game justin bradford glenn blackwell and big thanks to all of you listeners out there who have submitted plenty of questions for us today uh it's it's crazy that when the predators are doing well you seem to want to ask a lot of questions or if they're doing awful, you want to ask a lot of questions, but when they're right in the middle, it's more of a meh attitude all around. Uh, so, so big thanks to everyone for participating and asking a bunch of questions. Okay. This first one, let's start off with something fun here. This one comes from Sarah who has the best lettuce in the league. Uh, I think inspired by this question is what I asked David Ference, who had his media availability today and because we're getting deep into questions, I went ahead and asked about his flow. And he says that his hair is uncontrollable uh, and that Dante Faribault has much better flow than him. So curious, Glenn, do you have a favorite hockey flow? I'm trying to think of who has the best hair right now. I mean, <laughs> Yager had the best hair ever. In history. Overall, in history. <laughs> but I'm trying to think. Give me a second to think because I just I'm just now hearing okay. this question for the first time. And see, I, I mean some might say Eric Carlson, but I don't like it because it looks a little too greasy. I don't like his hair. I it want always looks dirty. When when I'm thinking <laughs> yeah when I want flow I want something that's like smooth and that way they can do the little head toss and it just like bounces with it. Yeah. I liked Yossi's hair before he got it cut. Now he doesn't yeah. have the bounce, but he has got good hair. That was pretty good flow. That was pretty yeah. good flow with the hockey hair. And it's it's curious because 
I mean, flow's a big thing. We see more lettuce, I think, in the lower levels now. We don't see as much lettuce in the pros. They're a little more well-kept, unless you're Brett Burns. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure where, where that's going to go uh, when it comes to hockey here. But it, I just don't like the greasy sides. I don't, I don't like the, the greasy look. I don't either, because it can, it can get too long. At some point, it can get too long. You might have a long flow, but with that helmet on, it just it doesn't look good. Now, who has the best flow on the upper lip? That is absolutely Philip Forsberg. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. No doubt. You don't even need to look at anybody else's. His is gold. <laughs> and and the ones that are still working on it, uh, Ellie Tolvin and Yusuf that those mustache powers. But they're doing well. I mean, hey, you don't have to have a full mustache to have the, the great powers of scoring and stopping pucks. Yep. And in order for it to get to a big full mustache, it has to... It has to be the halfway point, oh, right? It has to get there. <laughs> that's true. Okay, this one comes from Sam. Which player other than Tolvanen has impressed you the most during this win streak for the Preds? That's a good oh, question. That's a good question. That is a good question. I think for me, uh, the Saros would be up there, but I think that's an easy answer as well, and I want something that's a little more well Rocco. thought out. Uh, yeah. Rocco Gamaldi, yeah, he had big game and then followed up with another goal in that game. Uh, for me, though, I think I'm actually going to go with uh, Victor Arvidsson. And the reason I'm going to go with Victor Arvidsson, it could be him or Callie Yarncroke, but Arvidsson in the past few games has looked more the Victor Arvidsson of old. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's because he's been up there with Johansson and Tolvanen, and that's helped spark him a little bit more. Uh, for instance, in the game last night, uh, his wraparound opportunity that he had, mm -hmm. even though he didn't score on it, it looked like Victor Arvidsson of old was crashing that and not just firing up a slap shot to the goalie's chest. Uh, so I, I think yeah. more of him and his vision out there too, and what he's been able to do uh, has been a little more impressive of late. So I think it'd be him or Callie Yarncroke for me, just Yarncroke's just his availability to play where he needs to play and do the right things he, and responsible. I've always in my mind, I don't know if I've ever vocalized it. He's always been like a chameleon to me. I'm like, he can just adapt and change wherever he is. And that's why I've always said if he was ever traded for the Predators or, you know, he left, like he could, any, sing, any team could find a perfect spot for him. And he would be like, oh, sure. I got it. I can do that. You know, oftentimes when you talk about trading someone, you're like, well, these are the top three teams that need him or could use him. Every team could use a Cali Yarn Croak because he's so adaptable Absolutely. and he's chameleon Cali. So, yeah, <laughs> this one comes from Paul. Is this Tolvin and kid for real? And if he is, when does he make the all-star game? Well, I think he's going to make the all rookie team uh, looks this year for real to me. He looks for real. <laughs> and I think, you know, if he keeps this up, it's going to be one of those things that it would be as an offensive representative. It'd be between him and Forsberg representing the Predators offensively on the all-star mm -hmm. game. And depending on injury status and whatnot, if there was an all-star game this year, uh, maybe he would be one of the representatives uh, right now. He'd definitely be making an all rookie team. There's no doubt with me with me in that one uh so next one uh this one comes from Ferlin. if you got a chance to shoot a puck at pecorine would you go clap bomb snap bomb or wrister oh that's a good one i was about to say i'm like i would never shoot anything at pecorine <laughs> um i don't think i could do any of these uh so for I'd me try wrister Maybe. Okay. For me, at uh, first, would be like, uh. No, I wouldn't even then, know how to shoot a <laughs> Then I would slowly make my way towards the net because I'm a slow skater. 
<laughs> and then if I'm going to shoot it, and if I can somehow find a way to lift the puck because I don't have much greatness when it comes to lifting the puck in my shot, all my goals that I score in my rec league are definitely off of deflections because it's going off the skate or a stick of an opponent. Uh, but if I could lift the puck, I would definitely not go glove side. I'd go blocker side because Pecorine's glove is pretty darn strong. That would be my decision. <laughs> okay, so I would assume that the only chance that Pekka would have to not save <laughs> to not save my shot would be him laughing hysterically at me <laughs> even winding up to even try right. this. I mean, it would almost be a joke. Oh so maybe it can go in on a fluke. You um, never just know. Just because he fell over laughing. You never but know. Yeah, I would shoot. I would try a wrister. I would just give my. All right. Own. All right. This one comes from Derek. <clears throat> Who are the best healthy Preds and why are they Ellie and Yarny? Or what's clicking so well with these guys that wasn't working with the top tier currently on the IR? I think and we, we've heard this so much lately and it's the buy-in. And that's, that's a, right now is a cop-out answer. But I think it's that they are working with a system that they want to be in place. And I don't want to try to overcredit John Hines, but John Hines is working more with the roster that he was expecting coming into the season compared to what was given to him with more veterans that are more stuck in their ways. He's been working now with lots of rookies and young talent out there that is willing to work with how he wants them to be coached. Uh, early on, I've been talking about how John Hines is more of a professor and he's worked a lot with, with junior hockey, especially with his time in the NTDP and in the minors, the way he's worked up in developing prospects and working with systems that they adhere to. And we're seeing that more now. And could this all come crashing down? Yes, it could. You hope it doesn't, but it could, but the way they're playing right now looks more coherent. And that's what you see the difference in is they look more coherent in the way they're playing the system that you're seeing up and down through this, through the lineup, they know their roles and they're playing their roles really well. And that's why you have some depth scoring that can chip in. That's why I have a fourth line with two rookies centered by Colton Sissons that can go out and bang bodies, but also chip in a goal once, once and now. So that's, that's what's been impressive to me is they look like cohesive units out there playing hockey. They don't look lost, discombobulated. And that's, what's been impressive uh, is that yeah. they're playing together as a, as a unit, because I think they bought into what they believe from each other and they have more chemistry because it takes time to develop chemistry, especially with so many new faces. You have to develop yeah, chemistry and they've been able to do that lately too. And now we're seeing the rewards from that. Yep. I second all of what you said. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just goes back to, you know, we talked about the youth movement and there was a reason why so many of us wanted to see that because it can provide a jolt. And we started to see that, that, that buy into the system that we had talked about maybe wasn't true. We were all questioning, was this a true fit? Mm -hmm. John Hines and his system for the Nashville Predators, but Hopefully it's not a fluke, but we're seeing now that it can work. I don't know how long, but it can work. Okay, three more to go because I want to make sure we get all of these in. This one comes from uh, DJ Burnside. If Forsberg, Duchesne, Ellis Richardson all came back today, who would be the odd man out? When should we expect to see Ferentz? Uh, I'd like to see Ferentz get at least one game or two just to give a quick look and maybe put him I in against do. Detroit or something uh, just so you can see that. And then you can assign him to the AHL so we can get continued more seasoning in the AHL. There, there's no rush to have him. Uh, as Marin even said, I mean, there's there you want to see him, but there's no rush next season. Yeah, I, I would like to see him full time in the roster. Uh, but the odd men out, Richardson, I think you're fine with that. Richardson, Ellis needs to be playing, but I think you sit. Obviously, you're Ben Harper. You could rotate your Matt Benning to make sure that Carrier is staying in there. Forsberg's going to be in. Duchesne, I think right now, you tr what you do is you trade Hala and you put Duchesne as a third line center. Yep, That's I, I agree. Yep, 
because I don't think there's going to be a scenario where Forsberg, Duchesne, or Ellis <laughs> are not brought right back in right. once they're off IR. Right, but, but Richardson, Holla, they're expendable. Uh, this one yeah. comes from Elizabeth. Whose face is more punchable, the the, the new Captain America or Corey <laughs> Perry? Uh, still Corey Perry for me, uh, but new Captain America, John Walker, who will be U.S. agent. That is not a spoiler. You should you should know that if you're watching these series, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier folks. Um, just give it time and be patient. There's a reason why they're making him so punchable. Uh, well, Glenn, I, I, know don't you... even, I don't even know their face. So Corey Perry, obviously. Yeah. And last question. This one comes from Ricky. Do you feel this is a false positive with the Preds winning as much as they have of late moving pieces still make sense to get younger and bigger. Uh, in my opinion, a one round win and out isn't worth making the deals. I don't think they would get out of the first round, with the team as it is, even though it'd be great experience for this team. And that's what you want is experience for the youth. Uh, if they do make the playoffs, I still think they need to make some of those one year deal moves and get them out of there to still build more prospects in the pool. And that's why I'm saying Richardson and Holly. There won't be high picks, but there's still more picks. And with any draft, the more picks you have, the more opportunity there are for these guys to make it. Yeah, and I, I second that. I agree with you, Ricky. Moving pieces still make sense. And I don't think it's a false positive. I think that it's just, it's working right now and we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, it's working with this group. And that's why you got to keep the majority of this group together as it is. You can't just bring them back, bring back all the veterans because they're veterans. They have to either earn it or something else has to happen to change it. When the, when the roster started changing, the team got better. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. You need more, go to penaltyboxradio.com. Plenty of podcasts, whether it's a look at the, the music industry with Hockey Tonk backstage and the back behind the scenes of that in the sports industry, or you want some more Music City Gold. There's also Pucks Out, which is also talking about drinking some craft beer and talking hockey as well, <laughs> fantasy hockey. We have everything you absolutely need at penaltyboxradio.com. So for Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.